we had a whole bunch of stuff planned for the middle, but we're going to just flow right on into the Word of God and talking together about what God wants to do in our lives in response to our worship. And then we'll leave the middle stuff till the end. <laughs> we want to focus in, well, I think we already are focused in on the passion that God has for you and I to be nurtured by his love. It's an appropriate thing to focus on on Mother's Day. But it's something much deeper than that. It's not just a token thing because we're thinking about how nice mothers are, although we've all had a mother. <laughs> but Father God is a nurturer and he cares passionately about you and about me. So I'd like you to work for your revelation this morning, please. In twos and threes, wherever you're sitting, maybe even a four, but no more than that. I'd like you to discuss for just a couple of minutes two questions about nurture. If I can get them to come up on the screen. What does nurture look like? And what does nurture produce in us? You've got three or four minutes. What does nurture look like? And what does nurture produce in us? Discuss, and then we'll get feedback in three or four minutes. In twos, threes, maybe fours. All right. Good to see everybody joining in. Glancing around the room, I see a couple of instances of a, a paraphrase of First John chapter 2 that says that the Google that is on your smartphone teaches you and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But <laughs> what that verse really says is it's the anointing within you that teaches you. That's why I love when you talk to one another. Because God lives in you. And what comes out of you, we're trusting is God in you, responding to God in one another, right? So let's hear what did you see, what did you hear, what did you agree, what did you discuss? What does nurture look like? Anybody? Caring? Love? Discipline, okay. A feeling of? Belonging. Love it. Yes. Growth and development. Comfort. Encouraging. Encouragement. Yeah. Oh, that, was, that was in stereo, so I didn't catch it. Patience. It, nurture is patient. I love that. Yeah. When you're nurtured, you're being fed. Okay, I love it. Yes. Anybody else? Right. Yes. 
full disclosure. That's why I asked Chris and Lisette to welcome and to lead this morning, because I really wanted a visual of what nurture looks like. And Lisette and Winston is a picture of what nurture looks like, right? So, having established what nurture looks like, what does nurture produce in you and me? Security. Security. That's a gift, isn't it? It bonds us. Openness to life as it comes. The ability to trust. It replicates itself. <laughs> so nurture makes us nurture. I love that. Yes, it helps us to help others grow into community. Love it. Any more? You like teaching? Yes. Chuck? It produces fruit. Nurture produces fruit. Time for one more. Str nurture strengthens. Love it. Cool. Well, you basically answered all of it, so I'll just close in prayer. No. <laughs> what I want to... Uh, could somebody hand these out for me, please? One each. Thank you, Marshall. This is not a test. This is just for you to catch a few things as we go through here. Because it struck me that all of these answers are things that I've got in my notes, and all of these answers are the, the right thing that God wants us to catch this morning, right? But it suddenly struck me as I was preparing this that there's a progression and so what I want you to see is that nurture starts out creating trust. Winston trusts Lisette. Okay? There's trust. And every one of us needs trust in order to be who we're made to be, in order for all the things you just called out for those things to happen. But then... Following on from trust comes a sense of identity. You know, if we carry on with, with the family, Valora has a very healthy sense of identity because of the trust of the nurture she's received. And you've seen it, many of you have been here before. You know, when Valora just comes out, she's like, I'm here. It's me. And I love that sense of identity. I mean, I can't do it as well as she does it, but she'll probably do it at some point before we're finished, which is great. But then, when you have a healthy sense of identity, then it follows on into being able to connect. There's connection. You see, I can't connect with you if you don't have a clear sense of your identity or I don't have a clear sense of my identity. It's me connecting with you. And connection is the next step. But then following on from connection comes fruitfulness. That somebody said that, that nurture produces fruit. And so I want you to see it's like a kind of a journey or a, a progression that we work through. And all of these are rooted in who God is and how he wants us to be with him. So when we look at trust, 
Trust creates rest. Like a well-weaned child. We had that verse a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Like a well-weaned child is my soul within me. Because of that trust in God. Full and, and, and at rest. And Isaiah 66 verse 13 says, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, says the Lord. And so earlier on we were talking about when there's pain in our lives and we cry out like a little baby often, don't we? Like, oh, because there's a need. But God says, I'm here like a mother to meet that need. And you don't have to do anything. You know, little Winston doesn't do anything except open his mouth and cry. And he's comforted. And there's rest that comes from the trust that he forms. Psalm 22 verse 9 says, You are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breast. And God's nurturing heart wants you and I to experience a sense of home, a sense of belonging, a sense of trust that comes from him providing that comes from him comforting, that comes from him creating that trust within us. It's done with eye contact. When somebody looks you in the eye, you can feel trust growing between you. It comes with a gentle tone of voice. You know, I couldn't be teaching this this morning in a different tone of voice <laughs> because it would be a, a contradiction. I'm deliberately being gentle because God wants us all to experience his nurture. But it also comes with tender touch. And I know many of you have experienced, you know, where somebody comes just to agree with you on something and they just, you know, place a hand on your shoulder just gently and you can feel the trust grow because of tender touch, especially if it's accompanied by loving eye contact and a gentle tone of voice. God wants us to experience trust with him because it's that that brings us into rest. It's where we can live out Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. And so I want you to close your eyes for a second and just imagine yourself like a little baby being held by God. Be still and know that he is God and that you are his. Make eye contact with the God of all the universe. Listen to his gentle tone of voice. Feel his tender touch as he embraces you, as he welcomes you home. Home is always a place of comfort. It's a place of welcome. It's a place of provision. It's a place of feeding. <laughs> it's a place of rest. And so in that place of trust, I want you to lay down all of your doing and experience being his. Because that's the foundation. And even as we move on, you don't ever leave that place.
So we're going to talk for a moment about some identity issues and some identity gifts from God. But it's all founded on that trust. It's founded and based on that rest that I trust you're experiencing now as you trust him, but also as you experience that he trusts you. Every one of us has a sense of identity in God. We simply have to recognize it and receive it. He said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1 verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. And we could take that same promise for ourselves. Every one of us was known by God before we were ever conceived. Every single one of us. And in 1 John 3, John writes this. I love some of John's writings. Just chase this squirrel for a second here. I love John's writings because John was the youngest disciple who had the longest time to get to know Jesus. And he was the closest to Jesus. He was the disciple Jesus loved. And so he was the one who didn't write his gospel until much later. It kind of percolated. He was pregnant with it for longer. And so there's this depth in John's Gospel that comes through. The other Gospels are very much more um, urgent and instant of we need to get out the word of what has happened. But John reflects on it and grows it and, and allows deeper truth to, to percolate into it. There's more flavor in John's Gospel, if you like. And in his letters, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us. Who's us? It's a simple question. You all know the answer to it. It's not a trick. Who's us? Us. Good. Yeah, okay. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. We're children of God. That's our identity. Now, you may have an identity that you've carried with you through your human life, but in God's eyes, you have a, another identity that overlaps with your human identity. You have a supernatural identity as well as a natural one, and you are a child of God. Which means that what Jesus said in John 14, verse 23, is true for you, just as it is for me. Jesus said, if anyone loves me... He will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So your identity and my identity is your home for God. <laughs> he lives in us. That's why he says in Revelation 3, and this is from the Passion Translation, just because I like the freshness of it. But Revelation 3, verse 20, Jesus says to you and to me, Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I'll come into you and I'll feast with you and you will feast with me. It's kind of like being invited round to Jesus' place, <laughs> except you are Jesus' place. And he'll come in and we'll have a meal together. Who likes eating? I'm going to stop soon so we can. It's okay. But there's something happens when we eat together, isn't there? And I want you to catch that your identity 
this morning and every day and all of eternity is the place where Jesus lives and eats. That's what he says. Me and my dad are coming for, for dinner and we're going to stay. We're going to come in and make ourselves at home. You know what happens at home? It's where you move the furniture around to make it how you want it. Isn't it, sweetheart? <laughs> we don't have time for all of those stories, but yes. Home is where you make it how you want it. You know, if you want it to be all fresh and light and spacious, that's the way it will be. Our home didn't used to be that way. But that's the way the owner of our home wants it now. And that's the way it is. And we keep throwing things out, getting rid of stuff to make it spacious and welcoming. Helps that we don't have lots of small feet running around anymore, but <laughs> it's a place where people can come because it's got space in it, right? But your identity is unique to you. Your home is different from my home, and that's good. Your home is your home. And it expresses who God's made you to be and who God created you to be. Your identity gives you a sense of belonging, but it's also what gives you that sense of security. Somebody said security comes from nurture. Once you know who you are, you're secure. Until you know who you are, you're insecure. God wants you to know who you are. You're his child and you're not like any other child. Not even in this room. Certainly not in this world. So know who you are. And then the third part of the progression, because some of you are thinking about lunch, have realized I've got two parts still to go. The third part is connection. Because you see, you were not created to be your identity and be alone. Right at the very beginning, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. That's not just a man thing, although men are particularly susceptible to not being very good on their own <laughs> but it's not good for humans to be alone it's the only thing in all creation that God said wasn't good because he wanted us to learn that it's not good we're created for connection we are hardwired the scientists are slowly catching up with what God created thousands of years ago that we are the only species on the planet that are hardwired for connection. And God wants us to be connected because he created us for connection. We're created in God's image. That's the part the scientists haven't figured out yet. But the reason we're wired for connection is because God is a connected community of being. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Eternal community. And we are created in his image. And so we're wired for connection. Now, of course, you're all here, so you get it. This isn't the whole of what community is, but it's at least a taste of it, right? Where we can come together and worship him together. Because, I don't know about you, but I find him much easier to connect with when you all are connecting with him too. We're wired for community. We're wired for relationship. And remember how Jesus created community from the very beginning, didn't he? He started his earthly ministry by saying to people, follow me. 
He didn't come just preaching sermons and giving speeches. He came creating community. He said, follow me from the very beginning. And then a bit further on, Mark 3 verse 14, he calls out the 12, doesn't he? From this bigger crowd of followers, he picks 12 to be the closest to him. And even within the 12, there were the three that were closer than the others. But he picked out 12 to be the closest to him. And it says in Mark 13 that he called 12 and he designated them as sent ones, apostles, to be with him. That's very striking, even though you might gloss by it as you read it, because if you're designated as a sent one, you'd pack your bags and start going, wouldn't you? No, 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 no. (laughs) You're designated to be sent, but before you can be sent, you need to be with, because you're going to represent, not just be sent. And our representing of Jesus comes from our community with one another and with him. We need to be with one another if we're to reflect him rightly in the world. So many of the ways that the church has misrepresented Jesus is when an individual goes out on their own and does what is right in their own eyes or even what they can pull out of scripture and, and you know paste it together in their own opinion. But for the church to truly reflect Jesus, we need one another. We have to be community. John 13, verse 34, Jesus said, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You know what? You can't love anybody if you're on your own. Because love is more than just a feeling. Love is a verb. Love is expressed. Love is demonstrated. Love is given and received. It's like electricity in that sense. It's not electricity, but it's like electricity. These lights are on because the connection is made. And you and I don't shine if the connection's not made. We need to be connected to one another. We need to recognize that we live in a world that resists that, but... We can shine as we're connected. Let me say one more thing about connection and and community. In John 4, remember Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and they're talking about how to worship and all that. And he says that the time is coming when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Up to that point, you had to go to a certain place to worship. If you were a Jew, you had to go to the temple. If you were a Samaritan, we'd made up somewhere else because we didn't like the Jews and we couldn't go there and they wouldn't have us anyway. There's all this division. Does it sound like the South? (laughs) Where, you know, you go to your church and I go to my church. No, we are the church. And we're to worship in spirit and in truth. So the meeting place with God is not a place anymore. It's in our hearts. And that's why, what I said earlier, I connect with God far more when I also connect with you. Connection is vital. And then nurture, having formed in us trust, then identity, and then connection, brings us into fruitfulness. And this is where the power comes in. 
This is where the testimonies that we've been hearing today flow out of the nurture of God in each of our lives. When Satan tempted Jesus to fix everything, when he was fasting in the temptations, he told him to turn stones into bread. Uh, And Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every rhema that comes from the mouth mouth of God. So it's the breathed now word of God. Not just my understanding of the written word, the logos, but the breathed now word of God that we experience when we come together, when we worship together. One of my life verses is John 5, verse 19, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son, and he shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. You see the fruit of nurture. Jesus has grown up in relationship with his Father, just as you and I can grow in our relationship with God through our sense of identity, through learning to be still and to trust, through being connected with one another. Then we learn to do what Father is doing. Not what I think I should do. (laughs) This is a free bonus Be very careful whenever your heart says you should. Because I'm not sure that God ever says you should. (laughs) Do you remember what we said a week or two ago? Satan drives us in shoulds. (laughs) But God draws us with nurture and love. But the fruitfulness comes when we cooperate with the Father. In John 14, verse 10, Jesus said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Now, God wants us to be fruitful, but God doesn't want us to strive. God wants us to be fruitful as we cooperate with him, as we partner with him. And that's why fruitfulness is the fourth stage of that journey of nurture. And so let me ask you this as we close. Which of those four areas is God highlighting for you today? Because remember what I said, we never leave the first one. The first one is the foundation and God builds on it. God's goal is that all of us get to a place of fruitfulness. Just in the same way as all of us have had an earthly mother, our birth mother, or in some cases a a foster mother or an adoptive mother as well. But some of us have become mothers in our own rights. There's a fruitfulness that continues. Others of us are fruitful in other ways, but it continues to pass on generation to generation. As we receive what God has for us, we pass it on to other people. Through that journey, through that progression. So which area is God highlighting for me today? Let's just close our eyes and be quiet for a second. 
Father, what are you highlighting for me? Is it trust that I need to learn to receive from you in fresh and new ways? Is it identity? Do you want to speak more to my heart about who I am in you? Is it about connection? Where knowing who I am, I can build connection, form connection with others, form community where you can be reflected. Or Father, is it in the area of fruitfulness? Is it time for me to see fruit because of what you are doing and I'm joining in? As you let God show you which area, let's ask him one more question. Father, in that area, what do you want to do today? And just pause and let him show you. What do you want to do today, Father, in that area? area of nurture in my life. Then if you will, I'd like you, with your neighbor's permission, just to place a hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Because remember, nurture is often expressed through gentle touch. And I want to pray and you can agree. Is that okay? So Father, in each of these four areas, you are at work in every one of us. You're at work in the area of trust. And I bless trust to grow in each of your children in this room. Let us be at rest in you. You're at work in the area of identity. Lord, I pray for the person on my left and the person on my right that they will know who they are in you. That their sense of identity will grow. That their roots will go deep. That the fruit will come. And Father, you're in the business of connection. And just as we're demonstrating that by placing a hand on each other's shoulders, Father, would you knit our hearts together so that we can reflect you more fully and receive you more bountifully. Help us to be reflections of you to one another so that the world will see that we love you by the love we have for one another. And Father, for those of us who are at work in the area of fruitfulness, I want to bless the outpouring of the supernatural through your people. Father, may it be words or actions or both. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in each of these lives and through these lives as it is in heaven. We ask all these things because Jesus is king. And we are his kids. Amen.